Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening, everyone. I'm Rick Walker. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Lots of news for you tonight. A couple of hostages have been released out in the Middle East. Uh, that announced by Israel, including a couple of Americans. Um, we have a special guest coming to join us in just a moment. Rhonda Jubinville, freedom fighter, and Maverick Knight will be here in just a minute to talk about her lawsuit against her municipality in Chatham-Kent, Ontario, a lawsuit that is going to have impact nationwide in Canada and maybe even beyond. Uh, what else do we have for you? Oh, yes, that Chateau in France that that Canadian couple bought, exchanging a modest little home here in uh, a small town in Canada for a castle over in France. Came up in the House of Commons again today. Stay with me. All kinds of uh, crazy things to talk about here today. So um, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back with the top news of the day. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The, the world, world is watching. Okay, let's get right to our special guest for tonight. We're putting her right up at the top of the program. Our lead story is all about Rhonda Jubinville. Hello, welcome back. Hello, Rick. Thank Hello. you for having me. Thank you for coming to, to share this update on your story. Um, very exciting stuff, I think. Yes. You, you are proceeding with a lawsuit against the municipality of Chatham-Kent, where, of course, as many of our viewers know, you serve as a local councillor on, uh, on city council. So Correct. What is this lawsuit? So what it is, it's called a judicial review. Um, so basically what will happen is within, I'm going to, I, I'm going to say probably within a year, for sure within a year, I will be, or I won't be, but my case will be before a tribunal. So probably three judges in the uh, divisional court, which is part of the um, Superior Court of Ontario. Uh, the case will be before these judges and they will decide if what happened to me in in municipal council if it was uh fair just legal and whatnot 
And so. just to kind of rewind a bit here, this all started over this issue about the the pride flag because you had posted some things online and you came out with this. Um, I guess your position was that the only flags that really should be flying outside municipal buildings are like the Ontario flag, the federal Canadian flag and the municipal flag, because they were sort of the council had sort of a, an unfair, unbalanced policy in your view and deciding whose flags uh, would be allowed to be flown because some groups were being approved. Other groups were being denied. Pride was being approved, but some church groups, for instance, were being denied. Is that, that about the size of it? Yeah, I would say that pretty well encapsulates it. What you what went on. Um, it, it all started because I presented a motion stating that the provincial or the our our federal Canadian flag, our provincial Ontario flag, and our municipal flag should be the only ones flown at uh, municipal service centers. And in in all fairness, I didn't even mention the pride flag or any flag other than those three flags, but. Um, it got hijacked. My motion was hijacked and it kind of took on a life of its own. And then it became that I was anti, you know, I was racist. I was anti LGBTQ. I was all these things that I'm not. So, uh, you know, the propaganda started stirring and rhetoric and all in our community, some media sources, kind of, uh, local media kind of tapped into it. And, uh, it came back that people were reporting me because of some of my social media posts, which I still will uphold that there was nothing wrong with anything that I posted. Um, and uh, the integrity commissioner found me quote unquote guilty of breaching my counselor code of conduct and uh, council in turn uh, voted to suspend three months of my pay. And so I'm, I'm appealing it in, in there isn't an actual appeal process with the integrity commissioner. So I'm doing a different form of appeal process, which is called a judicial review. So that's where I'm at. Okay. And so you have a, you have a, a pretty smart lawyer and um, is he, what's he saying about this? Is this sort of a unique case or a precedent setting case in any way? Well, he thinks it is a precedent setting. I mean, I'm the first counselor that he's dealt with to um, to try to, you know, battle the the status quo of what's going on in our province, country, communities, whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, he and I both think the whole integrity commissioner process is flawed, extremely flawed, and. Uh, he's hoping that it will be a precedent setting case and he, he does have it um, set up so that if we fail at the judicial review, that we are going to keep climbing courts. So he does have it set up so that it, if need be, it would go to the Supreme court of Canada. So um, I personally, I, I do have faith that I, I, I think we're going to have a good result. I, you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but based on what they're trying to frame me as and the evidence that they have provided, it's pretty flimsy. 
to say that I basically what the um, integrity commissioner said is that I bullied, harassed and intimidated other counselors, which I didn't do. I've had no interaction with any other counselors on any topics like this. So that's absolutely false. And, um, and that I've done the same for some members and I've used my counselor status to do the same to members of the public using Facebook as my platform to do, to do it so without having any interaction with any, any person I'm being accused of doing these things just based on social media posts that I've never directed at any specific person. Um, yeah, they just don't like, they don't like who I am. They don't like my uh, political views. And I, I, I think they're kind of grasping at trying to, you know, keep me inside of a box where, where I belong. Yeah, they don't like your politics. That much is very, very clear. But no, they don't. It's also, it's also very clear that council here, like I think the vast majority of councils across Canada and probably the U.S. too is pretty woke. I think that's very evident. What kind of settlement are you hoping to achieve? Do you just want your three months pay or are you looking for additional compensation? So... So a judicial review, there, there's no money involved in it. Okay. It, it, so I'm not doing a, like a lawsuit as per se. It, all it is, is basically a judge, the judges will declare if this was right or wrong. So I guess that's the easy way of making it. But if they declare, so it's going to go two ways. If they declare that what happened to me was right, fair, just, legal, whatnot, then we will take it further. If they declare it wasn't right and I, you know, my rights were infringed upon, then there will be further action that I will will take as far as a lawsuit against the municipality right. and uh, the integrity commissioner. And the issue here is really not about the money or the, the three months of pay. It's an issue of freedom of expression, freedom of speech, because you as a counselor, you're there representing your constituents and the views that you express are really in, in, in large part, a reflection of what your constituents feel, the people who voted for you, you are really there speaking on their behalf. So when they silence you, they're really silencing the people in, in your ward and the, the people who voted for you. Correct. A, and and beyond my ward, um, yeah. once I am elected, I become a counselor to everyone in Chatham-Kent. So all, all members of Chatham-Kent were a, a population of 104,000. So I'm, I'm a counselor to everyone. So I have, I do have supporters from all across Chatham-Kent. Uh, I mean, I, they didn't elect me, but I'm, I still, I still uh, will advocate for them and, and help them in any fashion that I can. And they support me. But I also have, obviously, I have, obviously I have supporters in my own ward as well. Yes, and what you're doing also has an impact across Canada. We've seen similar kinds of things happening in the U.S. because after your motion was filed on this flag issue, mm -hmm. other municipalities 
started to do similar things. Some municipalities passed motions that were similar to, to yours that went actually further than the motion that you filed. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in the community of Dearborn over in Michigan, they passed a, a, um, a, a resolution that achieved exactly the same kind of result. Uh, so this is what you started, set off a domino effect across Canada and Maybe. the United States, I, I think, you know. Um, that's very that's very possible and the first I, I, I'm happy aware. to I'm happy to be the the trailblazer doing it but uh, I I just you know I I just think that things are not fair right now <laughs> things are very lopsided in this country so we need to get things back into balance and I am all for democracy and I am all for a voice of representing everyone, liberals, NDPs, conservatives. I am all for that, but I am not for silencing and sanctioning people of, of any political color. So that is wrong and it's happening and that needs to stop. And your political opponents on this have been extremely vicious, some of them. Uh, tell us about the uh, Church of Satan um, <laughs> thing that happened. Yeah, so while uh, during the whole um, time period of when I was presenting the motion, actually and after for the flags, I received a couple thank you cards from the Satanic Temple thanking me for my contributions. Uh, actually, it was donated on behalf of a supporter. So obviously false. I'm not a Satanist. I am a Christian. And so it was just people trying to get my goat and, you know, uh, do, you know, subtle attacks on, on me and my character, but there, there, it was the satanic temple, uh, abortion temple or something. I don't even know there is just, and the, this, yeah. uh, organization actually exists and there are chapters all over the United States and Canada and Europe, um, kind of morbid and horrific, but yeah, there was that. And there's also someone who has, and I haven't even checked on it lately, but somebody actually made a website in my name, Rhonda Jubinville Foundation, um, representing all of the views that I don't represent. Um, I tried to get it taken down, but I, I haven't been successful getting it taken down. Um, I just think, you know, what if I'm I'm taking up and occupying that much space in people's heads? Like I, I've won that they are going to that extent to try to, you know, attack me. But it's not really attacking me. I, I kind of chuckle that they're actually doing these things to me. So I would say some people have some mental health issues. Out there. I would say so as well. A hundred percent. And mm -hmm. it's it's crazy because, you know, I see conservatives and libertarians and they just you know they put themselves out there and what they believe in and that's it but then liberals and ndp they they just if you don't believe what they believe or think what they think then they will just attack and vilify and i i don't get the mindset of of these people that they they have to go to the extent of what they do to, to people that don't agree with them or align with them it's it's a it's a it is it's to me, it's a mental health issue yeah. that a lot of them have adopted in their, you know, their strategies or the way that they operate. I think you are coming up against the uh, cancel culture enforcers. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. What, tell me what, what, when does your, when do these proceedings begin? So uh, we don't know yet. There's some technicalities that have to be uh, resolved and um, there's some submissions from both sides that have to be submitted. And once that's done, then they will get a court date. So I think around the beginning of November, middle of November, we will have an actual court date. And on judicial reviews, I've been told it's about six to eight months delayed. So I'm hoping by the end of next summer, it will have come to come to the court. So, well, you know what they say, the wheels of justice turn slowly. And yes. And yeah. I, I understand that I'm patient. I have a lot of patience. And uh, so if it's favorable for me after that, then I'll, I'll just, you know, keep on plugging forward with what needs to be done. Um, exactly. I'm not here because of the money. I'm actually doing all of my council duties. I'm doing everything that I was elected to do, even though I'm not getting paid right now. I won't be paid until December 29th. So nothing like kicking a person right before Christmas, you know. Um, so on December 29th, I get my paycheck back. And but it's not it's not about the money. And I, I just want to prove that to people that I, I didn't sign up for this for that purpose. It's a nice bonus, but um, but it's it's very disheartening to know that my fellow counselors actually voted in order to do this to me. Like, yes. I just don't think I don't think I would ever do that to another counselor. If, if I was if the tables were turned, I don't think I could do that to someone based on I mean, yeah. uh, unless they actually committed a criminal offense, um, then, yeah, maybe. But based on opinions and and you know yeah like subjective opinions or that they don't agree with my political views i i could never do something like that but i, I guess it takes all kinds to make yep. the world go round so well, we we had a live here on the program the night that they did that mm -hmm. and uh yeah i mean it, it really is amazing that canada has has at a point where a difference in political views around a, a, a council chamber mm -hmm. so in, in in an action like this. But you're not alone. You do you do seem to you're making some friends over there and making some progress. <laughs> tell me tell me about that. Are are things getting yeah. better? There's a where making friends in like allies on on the uh, on on councils. Some not everybody voted against you. Oh You're no, some I have hearts and minds. I, I am. I had three supporters, and I had thirteen against me. Of the thirteen that voted against me, I can honestly say I was I was saddened and disappointed in some of them. Uh, I wasn't expecting some of them to vote the way they did. There was about maybe another four or five that I thought, oh, really? I, I I do, I have no proof, but I do know that there were a couple people on council that were calling other councillors to, um, to vote against me on this. So it's, and I, I think some of the counselors that I thought might have voted in favor of me got caught up in it and didn't really vote the way they probably would have if they weren't caught up in, in, in all of the, you know, the drama of what was happening. Um, I heard 
you know, and it's all hearsay, but I believe the sources that told me it's all firsthand hearsay. Uh, one counselor said they didn't have the opportunity to read the full report. Another counselor said, and, and this is all when they're being confronted by their specific constituents who supported me, who are, you know, putting them on the spot and saying, why did you vote against her? So, like I said, one didn't get a chance to read the full report that was out for three weeks, you know, or four weeks, actually, they had an opportunity. So a month, they didn't have an opportunity to read the report. Another counselor mentioned that they didn't want to go uh, against the majority. Another counselor mentioned that I didn't reach out to this person to talk to them, which I didn't know I was supposed to. Another counselor said that I they voted against me because I reached out to them. Um, uh, I think that was all that was all coming from the people that I thought would have, you know, had my back. So uh, you just never know, <laughs> I guess. Is yes, and what you also don't know is who it was that was making lodging complaints with the integrity commissioner. That's another big issue. You're not right. even being given the opportunity to face your accusers. I'm not. And it's again, back to the whole integrity commissioner um, process is flawed. I don't know. I do not know who lodged the complaints. I don't even know what the complaints really were, to be honest with you. I don't even know what the complaints were. Um, she did put some statements that were said by some of the complainants in the report, but nothing, you know, nothing official that someone said that I did or just about me, other than all of this hearsay information, a, a lot of it was revolving around my quote unquote supporters, what they did. But since when do, am I responsible for what another person has said or done? Right. And with that being said, none of the evidence that the integrity commissioner provided even suggests that I incited someone to do or say anything. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a very weak report um, against me. And, and, you know, I, I, of course I'm going to say that, but, uh, a lot of people in the community that actually read the report have come to me and they've indicated the same thing. And, and people with legal affiliations or backgrounds have said the same thing. It's a very weak report. Um, the integrity commissioner is, she's the judge, the juror and the prosecutor. I mean, this doesn't even happen in a court of law where one person has that much power. But yet in our municipal councils across Ontario, uh, I, I don't I, I don't want to say across Canada because I don't know for sure. But for sure, across Ontario, this one person has this much power to impose on a counselor and they don't have to. They're not um, accountable to anyone. They can. I, I'm not suggesting that she lied or construed things, but there's no um, there's no check check and balance to make sure that what she is saying is verified because she doesn't have to provide the accusers, she doesn't have to provide the accusations, she doesn't have to pro provide anything. So it's it's 
quite obscure the whole process, to be honest with you. Man, and I guess this has probably resulted in a, it's had a chilling effect to some degree on you, the way that you're posting online now. <laughs> How have you adjusted your behavior? Do you still post, but maybe um, frame it or <laughs> predicated on like, this is just my personal view. I don't represent Chatham Kent Council when I say this, or do you just not say things at all? What What are you doing? Um, I guess I, I am being a little bit more cautious, but I am not going to um, step back from posting about contentious issues. Like I said, I, my posts that are the subject of this report and investigation, I really don't think most of them were, were that bad. But any of them actually, not just most, I don't think any of them were that bad. So I guess I'm, I'm just very cautious of when I post, I, you know, step back and look at it through everybody's eyes who could have eyes on it and make sure that there's nothing that, but I, I it, <laughs> make sure that there's nothing that someone could misconstrue, but I, you know, I, I who's kidding who anybody that doesn't agree with me will misconstrue whatever I post. For example, I posted today to let, um, uh, my Facebook friends know, and that's basically where I post most of my stuff is on Facebook. That's just the platform that I choose to do work on. Um, so one of my constituents reached out to me privately and said, can you post the names of all the people that voted against you? Um, and I, you know, I told them who it was privately and he said, well, can you post it? I think people need to know. And, you know, I said, I, I can, it's public information, but as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, oh gosh, I got to make sure I word it right because it, and it is public information who voted against me and who voted in favor of supporting me. But, uh, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how can they misconstrue this by me just putting their names out there, which it's public information. It's on the municipal website, how people voted. But I just thought, you know what? Somebody could grab a hold of this and say that I'm, you know, harassing or intimidating or bullying another counselor by doing that, which I'm not. I'm just posting a fact. But it's just how yeah. skewed things are right now. Strange times. Um, it is. You know, I, I, it was some time ago I was encouraging people to run for <laughs> local office. Say, you encouraged really, sorry, me. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you having any fun? <laughs> you know what? I'm, I believe it or not, I'm here for it. Am I having fun? I don't know if I would say fun is the word, but I, I feel like, I feel like I was called to do this. And I'm here for it. I'm I'm at peace with the process that's happening right now, and I I just think what is happening needs to happen. So the only way that things are going to change is if things like this get in front of the courts. And you know, I I will pray and and that our judges who are being presented with all of these cases like mine or, or other ones similar to it, that they are, you know, they take their profession seriously and they are not biased and they don't let their, their political views come into play as they're not supposed to. So I'm hoping with three judges that at least two of them 
are either, you know, conservative minded or, or independent, you know, they're not, they don't really have, or they don't present themselves as having a, a any kind of partisanship. So uh, basically I'll be at the mercy of those judges. So, and at the mercy of my lawyer and how he presents the case and, um, Chatham Kent has retained a big corporation in tr from Toronto. Of course they have. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're up against a lot there. And that's, uh, again, is this expensive for you? Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it is. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are, uh, well, a lot of people reached out to me when they knew that my pay was going to be suspended, um, uh, saying that they wanted to help me financially, but I, I just don't want to get any hot water over that. So I asked my lawyer, I said, people want to give me money, but I need to make sure that it's, it's all above board. I don't want any black marks against me or blemishes against me. So, um, and now people are reaching out to me again because they know that I'm actually pursuing, um, a, like legal, a legal avenue with this. So what he's found so far is that I'm allowed to take $7,500, which is kind of a drop in the bucket for what I will be probably spending. But uh, yeah. I'm just, I, I'm going to look into what uh, I could set up if people want to financially help me. I don't know. I'm not there yet, but okay, I will, I will see. Well, when you do get to that point, let us know here and we'll sure. certainly let everyone know. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and we'll, See what we can do over here to raise the awareness. Right. Thank you. Support you. Absolutely. Rhonda, is there anything else you'd like to add tonight or think that I might have been missing? No, I don't think so. I just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting times. That's it. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm, I kind of feel unfazed by all of this. I'm, I, a lot of people mm -hmm. think, are you okay? But I kind of am. I am okay. <laughs> so as as crazy as that sounds, I I am okay. I'm here for it because in the I really believe this whole process needs to happen to resolve some bad things that are happening in our province, in our country, in our municipalities. So politics is a blood sport, and now you're in good company with people like Donald Trump, who is <laughs> just he attracts lawsuits like. Uh, uh, you know, I know I, and some honey. people have compared me to him. I'm thinking, I, I don't think I'm quite, I'm, I'm not quite Donald Trump, but some moments <laughs> I feel like Donald Trump, what he goes through, but yeah. you know, and, and in all fairness, I've kind of, you know, he just kind of plugs through it and he doesn't seem phased either. So I thought, you know, that man, what he's been through and he just, he gets up every day and he just keeps going back at it. So I thought, well, that's what you got to do, right? You just get up and go back at it and smile on your face and, you know, walk with grace. And I walk into council chambers with grace. I'm kind, I'm professional, I'm respectful. And that might even bother them more. I don't know. So <laughs> kill them with kindness. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it's tough out there. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rick. Yeah. I always enjoy being here, and you put on a good show. And uh, yeah, there and there's another counselor. I mentioned to you there is another counselor um, in Pickering who's going through the exact same thing as me. Exact. So I'm I'm sure you'll uh, connect with her and 
you might see her on the show as well. I sure hope so. Mm -hmm. I know who you're talking about and yeah, we'd, we'd like to give her a voice as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're, you're inspiring us all. Thanks, keep, Rick. Keep on fighting. Thank you. I will. I'm here. Okay. And we'll <laughs> Thanks, be here you too. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, folks. Round to Juvenville. So uh, stay with me. We'll take a quick break and come back on the other side with more of today's top news stories. Don't go away. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order government overreach the great reset mainstream media lies now more than ever independent voices are needed donate now at freedomreporters.com that's freedomreporters.com maverick news the antivirus program for your mind back so significant development out in saskatchewan on the um parental rights front saskatchewan has passed the parent parents bill of rights passed its third and final reading today becoming law it has already received royal assent this bill mandates parental consent if a student under the age of 16 wishes to be referred to by a different pronoun or name at school. The legislation primarily aimed at trans and gender diverse students received royal assent immediately after passing. During a news conference in Regina, Premier Scott Moe stressed that the bill is meant to support children and provide parents with an opportunity to be involved in their children's decisions. Now, I have a clip of Scott Moe here someplace. Let me see if I've still got it. Here we go. I think this is it here. Uh, let me just double check. Too many tabs open. One moment. I've got this. Got to be here. Here we go. Got to bring it over here. Too many buttons to click as usual. And here we go with Scott Moe. The, the, the reverse question. How does keeping this information from the parent help that child? How does, how does hiding that information about a very important decision that a child is, is faced with help support that child in any way? Um, what this does is provides 
uh, those supports to be built around that child so that they can have that conversation to include their parents, who everyone agrees is one of the most important people to be part of that support infrastructure, that support group around that child. This is about building those supports uh, so that conversation can ultimately happen. And so ultimately that child can have, uh, if the opportunity is there, and I'd largely say it is, um, to have their parents involved in supporting them throughout their life. That's what this legislation is about. Does lying to the parents have that same uh, opportunity for a negative outcome? Does hiding that information from the parents um, in any way improve uh, that outcome? What we want to do in a very structured way is actually emulate um, what many school divisions have already, already have in place across this province. So, yeah. So in response to the bill's passage, NDP leader Carla Beck, New Democrat socialist, expressed concerns about the rights of vulnerable children, describing it as a first in taking away their rights. Also known as Bill 137, this legislation deploys the notwithstanding clause to override parts of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the province's Human Rights Code. Now, that's an interesting thing to consider here because the notwithstanding clause does an end run around the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So if you are looking at this through the lens that the NDP is looking at it through, then you're saying that all the rights are on the side of the child and that the parents really shouldn't have rights. And the Charter and the Constitution, the way it's written and the way it's currently being interpreted by the courts gives the rights to the child. So in order to give rights to the parent legally, they've needed to invoke the notwithstanding clause to do that, to transfer the rights essentially, or some of these, some child's of the child's rights to the parent or parents. Now that in itself you might be thinking that's okay. You might you might be applauding that, but at the same time, this notwithstanding clause, these uh, tools that the government uses to transfer or even limit or get around constitutional rights and freedoms, it's being used in this way, in this particular instance, to limit the rights of the child to give more power to the parents in the face of what the government is doing. So it's a very slippery slope. It's a, a complex concept. And it is, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're applauding the use of the notwithstanding clause today, but in the past, during the pandemic, its use then, or, you know, in the future, if they use it to limit, rights in the future, I can see people being uh, on the freedom side, being up in arms, saying that the Constitution doesn't work, the notwithstanding clause needs to go. I've been there myself saying exactly that. But in this case, it's the freedom side and the people on the freedom in the within the freedom movement who I think um, will be applauding this most because of the outcome that you're getting. 
So it's a strange situation where rights are being limited for the child to give to transfer rights to a parent by doing an end run around the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in order to protect the child from the state in the eyes of those who feel that the state is overreaching, potentially even being abusive to the child and abusing what people would say are the rights of parents, although constitutionally, and if you really start to think about it, it's like, where does a parent's rights begin or end? It's a very complex question. Do parents have total control? Should they have, um, should they be able to dictate the, the total welfare of a child? What if the parent is being abusive? When does a parent lose their rights? Of course, you know, if they're being abusive, then the law says that you lose custody. But does the parent ever have <coughs> really, truly any rights, parental rights? I'm speaking about this not so much in the term in, in moral terms. These are legal questions, the way laws have to be written, the way the Constitution and the Charter is interpreted. And we're seeing these issues come up, not only in Canada, but in the United States as well, with many governments at various levels, national, regional, local or municipal as well, using exactly the same phrasing. Parental rights or... Um, what you know? What in in the case of this right now? Um, the parents' bill of rights. That exact phrase has been used by other governments as well. So what Saskatchewan has done today is they have also set a precedent, a template. They've created a template for other governments to use, and in a notable move, Premier Mo Scott Mo recalled the legislature two weeks ahead of schedule to codify the new pronoun rules into law, making use of the notwithstanding clause. The first two readings of the bill saw unanimous support from all Saskatchewan party members present and the lone Saskatchewan United Party member. Conversely, all Saskatchewan New Democratic Party members attending voted against the bill. NDP, left-wing woke socialists. In a poignant speech, on the floor before the final vote, NDP MLA Nicole Sauer emphasized the historical significance of the vote, suggesting it would define the legacy of those involved. Jeremy Cockrell, Saskatchewan's education minister, expects all 27 school divisions in the province to adhere to the legislation uh, now that it has become law. Amendments to the bill proposed by the NDP were voted down by the Saskatchewan party including the Do No Harm Amendment, which aimed to exempt cases where a mental health professional deems parental consent unnecessary. The issue of government consultation with parents during the policy's development has been a central point of contention. According to court documents, the government received 18 letters over the summer inspired by a similar policy introduced in New Brunswick earlier this year, seven of which were thought to come from parents. Since the introduction of Bill 137, opposition members from the NDP have been filibustering to stall the legislation 
even as the Sask Party government extended debate time from 20 to 40 hours. Dustin Duncan, a Saskatchewan Party MLA and former education minister, defended the bill, stressing the importance of giving parents the right to parent their children. The school pronoun policy was initially announced in August following a strong by-election showing by the Saskatchewan United Party in a Saskatchewan Party stronghold. Bill 137 also includes new regulations for sexual health education, requiring school principals to inform parents at least two weeks before such content is presented to students. The passage of this bill has raised concerns among teachers in Saskatchewan. A lot of wokeness there, too, as the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation the union representing teachers, expressed that it places educators in a difficult position. STF President Samantha Bacot mentioned that the bill was passed without adequate consultations with various stakeholders in the education sector. That's her view. The development has sparked opposition from several organizations, including Saskatchewan's Advocate for Children and Youth, the Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission, and the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Interesting, you see there. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association expressing concern over this, opposition to this, because it's an issue of individual rights and freedoms. Where do the rights preside? Does the child have the rights or does the parent have the rights? It's a very interesting question. I just bring it up because legally, this is what is likely to be challenged. And I don't know, you know, what kind of legal challenges might be mounted against this in the future. The CCLA described the passage of the legislation as a dark day for the rights and freedoms of everyone in Canada. So, you know, be careful what you advocate for. Be careful what you cheer Be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. Now, I don't know if we've opened a Pandora's box here. The notwithstanding clause has been in place, you know, for a long time. Since the um, adoption of the approval of the charter. So where will this take us in the future? Well, I just, I don't know. I just don't know. It might come back. Everybody, I think. On this side over here is pretty happy with the outcome of this because they'll see this as the government taking a step to protect children against these hyper-progressive indoctrination and physical transformation policies. This... uh, Culture and cultural engineering, social engineering experiment, I think some people might describe it as um, on overdrive. Uh, But down the road, these same procedures might be used by this government, a future government, uh, some government down the road to further limit people's rights and freedoms on another issue that maybe we can't, we're not even foreseeing at this point. It's always the stuff that you you don't think of that comes and smacks you on the side of the head later on down the road. So the precedents being set today might come back to haunt us down downstream. We'll continue to 
monitor this, follow this as it is implemented, and we'll continue to look at the impacts that it has in other parts of Canada and the USA in the weeks, months, and years ahead. Don't go away. Fear not the storm, for truth is on our side. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so I would say this next story is giving us uh, a little bit of hope. Here. I'll bring up a mainstream media account of this today. Israel, Gaza, two hostages, mom and daughter. This is from ABC News. Two hostages, mom and daughter from Illinois, released by Hamas. Thousands of people have died, it says, and thousands more were injured after Hamas launched an unprecedented surprise attack on Israel October 7th. As we know, over 1,400 people have died, 4,600 injured in Israel, another 3,700, almost maybe 3,800, maybe probably more, have died and 12,500 wounded, probably more, in Hamas ruled Gaza. Um. And as we know, at least, I think the number, the count on the number of hostages was 199. Gaza, of, or Hamas, of course, uh, saying they were going to start killing one hostage at a time every time an airstrike came in. Um, today, though, we're seeing couple of those hostages released. And these are the first images, really, um, that have been released of these hostages who are being freed. Their conditions right now, not immediately clear. And they are Judith Renan, 59 years old, and her daughter, Natalie Renan, who's 17. They are now back in Israel, according to the Israeli 
Defense Force. They're from Illinois. And their family says they were in Israel for a relative's birthday when they were taken hostage at the Nahal Oz Kibbutz. Uh, President Biden has released a statement saying he's, well, this is what he said. He said, I am overjoyed that they will soon be reunited with their family who has been racked with fear. From the earliest moments of this attack, we have been working around the clock to free American citizens who were taken hostage by Hamas, and we have not ceased our efforts to secure the release of those who are still being held. I thank the government of Qatar and the government of Israel for their partnership in this work. As I told those families when I spoke with them last week, we will not stop until we get their loved ones home. Again, that from Joe Biden. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu also released a statement. Saying that the hostages were received at the border of the Gaza Strip and were being taken to a meeting point at a military base in the center of the country where their family members are waiting for them. So we're at least that far along. And I'd say that's a positive development for sure. And last night we brought you President Biden's address to the nation from the Oval Office. I found his words not so much inspiring, but I did find them concerning. I was particularly concerned about the way he just connected Russia to the conflict, pushing Russia into the same framing as Hamas, which is being, which, you know, is labeled as a terrorist organization. But just the way he talked about Russia and Hamas, it's like they're in league together somehow. And I will say that when you look at the political landscape right now, the way the battle lines are being drawn, the way different countries are aligning on this. It's not surprising to me to see all these different Arab nations lining up to support Palestine and Hamas. And the United States, some Western countries sort of lining up to support Israel. And I could get into the details on why I think these various countries are aligning the way they are aligning. I think all of this, though, the way that it's all shaping up, it goes back to my assessment when this whole thing erupted. And I still stand by it. I think that we're in very dangerous territory here. This really pits a lot of countries in the Middle East against Israel. The United States is, I think, the... If U.S. support for Israel is withdrawn, Israel will cease to exist. 
So that is something that really needs to be taken into account. And while I am all for absolutely for peace, I'm for real peace and real solutions. I'm going to take another quick break. I'm going to try and find you a clip that I saw last night that just comes to mind. And I want to run it for you if I can find it, because it's going to frame up the the complex nature of this issue and the complex way in which the peace movement engages, is engaging in this war on the issues surrounding attached to this war. So stay with me because this, I think will, if I can, I'm pretty sure I can find it fairly quickly. It will give you some real context and perspective on this that uh, I don't think you're really getting through the mainstream media or even through the independent media platforms. So don't go away. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at freedomreporters.com that's freedomreporters.com maverick news the antivirus program for your mind okay so here's the thing i've got a clip here from marjorie taylor green and this goes back actually a couple of days. Well, two days. I'm losing track of time. But this is when the protest protesters um, calling for a ceasefire went into the Capitol building and the rotunda and in the building. Viewed by, I would say, some conservatives as an insurrection from the other side. Really, in some ways, went further than what the J6ers went. Um, anyway, here's the thing about people calling for peace. The peace movement is run by people, controlled by people, sometimes, who are not always truly calling for peace. What they really want is they want peace or withdrawal of funding from one side to ensure that the gains made by the side uh, in a war that they're supporting 
are maintained, solidified, and held on to, and they don't have to give them up. There are strategic reasons why sometimes the peace movement is engaged in protest. And that's what this clip from Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think, really illustrates. Because some of the people out there calling for a ceasefire, it's because they really support Palestine and what Hamas is doing. I'll let her explain in, in this clip. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's very revealing. Let me just, uh, well, I had the thing queued up. Where'd you go? Here it is here. Okay. Let me bring it here. Hang on. No, that's not it. Switch it up. This is from the day of the sit-in protest, whatever insurrection, whatever you choose to call it. You can call it whatever you want, but it was just another big thing um, with the protesters. Okay, so here it is. Okay, so we have an insurrection happening in the Cannon Building. This is the march outside, the pro-Palestinian march going on outside. And then we have this happening inside of our building. I'm going to take you guys down so you can see what's happening on the third floor. Literally, they've come in and taken over. This is insanity. This is where the press does all their hits. Of course, they know what they're doing. They always know what they're doing.
Palestinians, and they won. They're against Israel. They're pro Hamas. See their signs? And they don't like me. They hate me. They're shooting me birds, yelling at me. claim they're for peace, but they're shooting me birds. I'm a member of Congress, and they're, they're treating me this way. These are pro-Palestinians. They mean claiming give back their stolen land. They want all the money for to go into Gaza so that it can be given to Hamas. But this is what's happening. This is the new movement. They claim they care about Palestinian lives, but this will be the next movement that will be violent. Unbelievable. I'm a member of Congress for peace, and they're treating me this way. These people are not for peace. They say stop arming Israel. They say give back stolen land. I guarantee you these are many of the same people involved in the Antifa and BLM riots. There's a lot of other signs down there. They are not pro-Israel. And Hamas, 
It's not on my, not hands. On my hands, buddy. I didn't do it. These people are crazy. So they're arresting people inside. Are they arresting people inside? No. No? Not yet? Not enough? Okay. What are they doing? Did they arrest him? Not him? Wait, why, why, why isn't he being arrested? What? Your house. Your house. This, you're an insurrection. You're. This is an insurrection. Yeah, the people that elect me do not support this. I don't represent you, lady. I don't represent you. Okay, so am I trapped out here? Is that what it is? Why don't the Capitol Police are not arresting these people? This is an insurrection. Throw these people out. Like, what is happening? It's going to be a fucking insurrection again. Okay. Well. So on January 6th, they arrested everybody, and the Department of Justice is still going after them all, but yet everybody's allowed to stay in here and do this. Is that right? Do you think that's what we're... January 6th, similar to January 6th? I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out. And, and you say they don't want peace to cause or ceasefire now? They want, you, them. you know what they should be calling for? They should be calling for Hamas terrorists to be handed over and tried for their crimes. But they're not calling for that. They're calling for give the land back. And they're they're attacking, calling, attacking Zionists. These people are not, these are pro-Palestinian and pro-Hamas. They're not for Israel. They're not for peace. I don't think so at all. I'm going back. I want to go back to Hamas. Where's Dominic? Okay. All right. Thank you. 
What do you guys think? Does she have a point? Are those people calling for peace by calling for a ceasefire? Do they, what is their motivation? What do they want? Ultimately, what is it they really want? Peace? Or do they want Israel gone? Hmm. These things are not just black and white. I think we need to be pretty careful here. Got to be pretty careful. I don't like what I see on either side myself. Was that an insurrection? I didn't think J6 was an insurrection. I don't think that's an insurrection either. I think that's uh, that's just a, a big protest to me. I don't think they're there trying to, in that instance, trying to overthrow the government. They're there protesting. And they went into the building, which is technically wrong. But on the other hand, it's politics. It's a... Uh, you know, something that went maybe too far, but does it rise to the level of an insurrection? I don't think so. They're not there taking politicians, elected representatives hostage or trying to get rid of that government to 
install another government. That's an insurrection. That being said, they are definitely trying to stop the U.S. government from intervening, stop funding for military aid to Israel, and then look at what the end result of that would be. Israel would be wiped off the face of the planet. It would probably result in the extermination of the people in Israel. Think about that. Who wanted to exterminate the Jews? Because that's what we're really talking about here. Now, I know that it's, it seems like people want to do the same thing to the Palestinians, some people. Man. All I'm saying here is she has that perspective. I understand it. These things are not black and white. Be careful what you support. Sometimes the motivations of people who are involved in even things like the peace movement, people staging a peace rally, sometimes they're not really about peace at all. They have other motivations. And calling for peace at the time really just helps them achieve their objectives. So just beware. Think things through. Analyze it. Look for the shades of gray. Somewhere in there, you'll find the truth. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Yeah, this stuff is so polarizing. You know what else is polarizing? Tucker Carlson, BLM, the George Floyd death. Hmm. Now, mix some of that stuff up. Combine a couple of those things, like Tucker Carlson talking about the George Floyd death, and you've got a recipe for something extremely polarizing, and that's what's going on tonight in this new post from Tucker Carlson on X slash Twitter. I haven't seen this whole clip. I was only able to watch maybe the first 30 seconds, but I know. It's getting some people bent right out of shape and other people uh, raising some eyebrows. Well, I'll let you make your own assessment. Let's see what it does for you or to you. 
as we watch this. Now that we know that it was not, in fact, a pandemic of the unvaccinated, now that we know that Ukraine is not actually winning the war against Russia, it could be time to revisit some of the other slogans we've been assured are true and ordered to repeat. Are they, in fact, true? Did, for example, a racist white cop actually murder a man called George Floyd, a civil rights leader, in Minneapolis on Memorial Day of 2020? Now, we've been told that that happened, told it relentlessly for more than three years. So at this point, we've been told it so much that pretty much everybody seems to believe it. And because everyone does kind of believe it, a small group of people has been allowed to make massive changes to American society. They include, but are not limited to, decriminalizing stealing, defunding the police, adding a new federal holiday to the calendar called Juneteenth, the ceasing of hiring all white men in corporate America, and of course, significantly, they also sent a cop called Derek Chauvin to prison for more than 40 years. He would be the racist white devil who murdered George Floyd. But the question is, did he actually murder George Floyd? And the answer is, well, no, he didn't murder George Floyd. And we're not guessing about that. We know it conclusively, thanks to a new court case now underway in Hennepin County, Minnesota. The case was brought by a prosecutor there called Amy Sweezy. She's suing her boss. So the case is not actually about George Floyd or Derek Chauvin, but it tells you an awful lot about both of them. In her deposition, which you should read, Amy Sweezy describes a conversation that she had with the county medical examiner, Andrew Baker, right after George Floyd died. Quote, I called Dr. Baker early that morning to tell him about the case and to ask him if he would perform the autopsy on Mr. Floyd. Sweezy recalls all this under oath in the deposition. Quote, he called me later in the day on that Tuesday, and he told me that there were no medical findings that showed any injury to the vital structures of Mr. Floyd's neck. There were no medical indications of asphyxia or strangulation. Oh. In other words, George Floyd, according to the official autopsy, was not murdered. He died instead of what we used to call natural causes, which in his case would include decades of drug use, as well as the fatal concentration of fentanyl that was in his system on his final day. So this was not a killing. It was yet another narcotics OD in a country that courts more than 100,000 of them every year. The medical examiner clearly understood that and in fact articulated it. And Sweezy explains. He said to me, she recalls in the deposition, Amy, what happens when the actual evidence doesn't match up with the public narrative that everyone's already decided on? And then he said, quote, this is the kind of case that ends careers. In other words, everyone lied about it from the very beginning. The people who knew the truth hid the truth and allowed the revolution to proceed. Now they've been exposed. Now we know the truth. What happens next? Well, they're going to ignore it. The Biden administration just issued a long purple statement celebrating George Floyd's birthday. He's a martyr despite the fact we know that he was not murdered. And by the way, Derek Chauvin is still languishing in jail for the rest of his life. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to the truth once we have it? Well, Vince Everett Ellison seemed like a good man to ask. He's the author of Crime, Inc. He joins us now. Vince, thanks so much for coming on. So as with so many other stories, the oh, origin of, me, of COVID, oh, it's- Let me just pause that there for a moment. Did you notice his use of the word revolution? That wasn't accidental. And I've used that word myself a number of times, especially over the last week. 
Some people, I think, really do want a revolution. And then we heard the pro-Palestinian protesters in Toronto and Dearborn and many other locations this week shouting, there is only one solution, Intifada revolution. And the crowd embraced that, chanted it over and over again. I don't think, well, I think a lot of the people doing it, chanting it, don't even, didn't realize even what they were calling for. Intifada revolution. Let's let this roll. It's a blessing to have you. Um, We now know what actually happened. But the question then is, what do you do with that knowledge? We know that the U.S. government, Tony Fauci, worked with the Chinese to create the virus that overturned the American economy. But like, what do we do with that knowledge? What do we do with the knowledge that George Floyd was not actually strangled to death by a cop? We have to acknowledge the people that gave it to us and why. See, George Floyd is the Democratic Party's prototypical black man. These are the black men they are trying to create. So George Floyd has to be elevated. He has to be celebrated. He's perfect to them. He was poor. He was uneducated. He was a drug addict. He didn't have a job. He was, he was uh, uh, down there begging and, and, and crying and asking the white people to not kill him. To a Democrat, to a white Democrat, this is the perfect black man. So he has to be elevated. Look, not a, a few days ago, uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Joe Biden celebrated hip-hop music. They had a celebration of hip-hop. Hip-hop culture is America's culture. It is a genre. It is music and melody and rhyme. And hip-hop is also an ethos. A music genre that calls the black man the N-word, calls women the W-word and the B-word, talks about misogyny, shooting police, um, uh, uh, smoking dope, selling dope fighting, killing, acting a fool. They celebrated this genre. Why? Because this is how they see Black America. They see us the same way they see George Floyd. And they have to make more of us because everywhere they rule, you know, John F. Kennedy stood in front of the um, uh, Berlin Wall in the 60s and said, if you think that communism is great, let them come to Berlin. Well, if you think that the Democratic Party is great, let them come to Detroit. Let them come to Chicago. Let them come to St. Louis. Let them come to L.A., Portland, Seattle, Memphis. Anywhere where they rule, you'll see George Floyds all over the place. And they're proud of them. In Baltimore, Maryland, they spend $21,000 per child for, for, for every child up there in, in, inside the school district. Not one school is proficient in math, science, or reading. But they keep it going every year. Why? Because they're producing George Floyds. But and George Floyds vote for the Democrat Party. But why would... So when... Most of us, you, me, I think all normal people look at George Floyd's life. You think this is a disaster. This guy never added anything. He took a lot in prison at least eight times. I mean, his life was a tragedy at best. Why would you want more people like that? Because he votes for the Democrat Party. And then he teaches his children to vote for the Democrat Party. Uh, And then these white Democrats can feel superior to him. Yeah. He can be controlled by them. Just like, think about an old slave plantation, Tucker, back in the day, how they wanted their slaves to act. Subservient, obedient, ignorant, you know, uh, uh, doing what he was told, not asking any questions, uh, 
having a slave mind, being dependent on them. This is how they want black men to be in America. This is how they want the whole black community to be. This is why uh, it started in the civil rights movement. When Martin Luther King Jr. in his I Have a Green speech said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. He said five times in that speech that we were not free. It turned the Declaration of Independence on its head because in our Declaration of Independence, it said that our freedom was an unalienable right given us by God. John Locke in his second treatise of government said that an unalienable right is a right given from God. It is irrevocable, non-transferable, and, 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 and unsellable. The government cannot touch it. It supersedes law. It supersedes the Constitution. However, King said that we was coming to government and to the white man for our right to be free. Even at the end of the speech, he said, on some certain day, we'll be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. He said in that speech, when will we be satisfied? He said, we will never be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. That's a fancy way of saying never. And so black people heard that speech and said that we were not free here in America. And we make our children recite that speech every single year on King's birthday. And they say in that speech, the Negro is still not free. George Floyd was a slave in his mind. And the civil rights movement caused him to be a slave in his mind. And today they're still marching 60 years later, telling black people, you're not free. Beg for reparations, beg for affirmative action, kill your children in the womb. Uh, cut off your, your, your child, you castrate your children. Let drag queens come into school and shake their behinds in your children's faces. Run God out of the public square. And then they end up like George Floyd. But the one thing they do consistently is they vote for the Democrat Party and the places where George Floyd's live, they stay in absolute power. That's a pretty, that's a pretty dark explanation. So you're saying that the Democratic Party as an organization intentionally degrades black black people to keep them compliant and obedient. Oh yes, in my book Crime Inc, I talk about one of the main things they do, like the, like the mafia and organized crime, they humiliate black people. They demoralize them. It's a Marxist construct. They demoralize their people, they beat them down, they tell them that they're victims. Well, it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said, they tell you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, how can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you're bootless? You know, he told us we were bootless. You know, you have black uh, uh, preachers, and, and you heard, you know about my Iron Triangle, the black preacher, the black politician, the black civil rights worker. They go into the black community consistently. You're a victim. You're oppressed. The country hates you. Well, see, I look at them and I say, I'm a black man, but I cannot be oppressed. You know why? Because I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I cannot be a victim. Why? Because I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I cannot be a victim. See, they tell these people to go against their religion and their basic ideology because most black men say they're Christians, right? But then they walk around saying, I'm oppressed. I'm a victim. I'm afraid. 365 times in our Bible, they tell us to fear not. Yet they walk around saying they're afraid in, 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 in the United States of America. LeBron James said he's afraid. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says he's afraid. Kaepernick said he's afraid. Well, I'm a black man in America, and I'm not afraid of a damn thing. I don't ask for permission in my own house. America is my home. So as they walk around here crying, talking about, I'm frightened, I'm afraid, I can't make it, please help me, I tell them they stink in my nostrils. They're an affront to God. The flip side of white male intimidation during the civil rights was also black male cowardice. They laid down and let them beat them, slap them around, rape their wives and their children. Well, no, not me, never me. 
I'm a free man. I live in the United States of America. This says an honor to be that, it's, that there's white supremacy and that uh, 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 white people have some type of privilege. Well, as I said before, it is a privilege to be white, but it's also a privilege to be black. And it's a privilege to be an American. And it's really a privilege to be a Christian in the United States of America, the greatest country on the face of this earth. And they're not going to make a George Floyd out of me. I stand up strong. I look them in the eye. And I say, I'm a free man. My freedom comes from God. It's an unalienable right given to me by him. You cannot touch it. And if you try it, I got two things that'll get you off of me. Jesus and my 38. Come try me out. <laughs> so... So the Democratic Party used BLM as a as a domestic militia in the last presidential cycle, 2020, to defeat Donald yeah. Trump. Do you expect something like that to happen again? Well, you see how they use the same tactics as Iran. Iran has Hezbollah and Hamas as their militias. And the Democratic Party uses BLM and Antifa as theirs, throwing yeah. the rock and hiding the hand. Of course they're going to do it. They've always done it. Even at the beginning, they used the Ku Klux Klan. For, 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 the, for, for the military ring. Now they're using BLM, they're using Antifa, they're using NAACP, and they're their suicide bombers. They're their shock troops. They're their brown shirts. They're their street soldiers. And they're gonna go out there, and I guarantee you, Tucker, they're gonna, they're gonna look over all the black-on-black -black violence. They're gonna look over all the black men killing black men. They're gonna look over all the snatching grabs and all the burning and all the fighting and looting and acting a fool. And they're gonna find one crazy white cop that's going to do something to some crazy black man, and then they're going to try to burn this country down for it. That's their plan. That's their template. I hope America's ready for it because it's coming. And it always works for them. It always works because the, the press and everybody's just waiting. Oh, they're on, the, they're, on the, they're, they're on the starting line just waiting for it. And as soon as they find that golden kill, that golden kill, watch them go crazy with it. BLM is going to start getting their money from the Democrat Party because that's who they get it from. The same way that Hamas gets their money from Iran, the, the, uh, BLM gets their money from the Democrat Party. And BLM does not stand for Black Lives Matter. It stands for burn, loot, and murder. And that's what we should call them from now on. Vince Everett Ellison, Bible in the 38. It's great to see you today. Thank you very much. Powerful. Very powerful. Thoughtful, thought-provoking. You know, I love my country. I love the United States. Not a fan of the current government. Not a fan of Trudeau, as you know. But man, I love my country. I love what it was. Not happy about where it's been taken over the last eight years, longer. But I love my country. So many people these days don't have a positive thing to say about it. But it's still a pretty darn good place because we've got so many darn good people in it. I'm so tired of people trying to tear it down. Destroy it. Well, they say they want to save it. We're going to save the country, they say. We're going to take it back. Really? Seems like a lot of the people who want to take it back are the ones calling for a revolution. A revolution. Revolutions don't give you back what you once had. They give you something else. 
at some of the people calling for that revolution, I guarantee you they don't even want to give you democracy. Because the people calling for the revolution these days, many of them are sitting there saying, in fact, just about all of them are saying that the system doesn't work. That your vote doesn't count. The system is broken. Might as well just give up. No point in participating at all. Total waste of time. Don't get involved in any of the political parties. It is wasting your vote. You don't have a voice. Those people scare the pants off me. Because if you don't believe in the system, if you don't believe in voting, what the hell do you believe in? And if people are following people who don't believe in voting, what is it that we're going to get on the other side? Do you know who also didn't believe in voting? Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Mao, Che Guevara, fascists, communists, dictators. Democracy is actually kind of a rare thing where you have a voice. So many people seem just ready to just throw it away. Be careful. I'm going to save Canada. Yeah? So many people saying that. And then... It's not clear what they really want to give you. Because they're telling you it's hopeless. looking in the chat here. You know, that's why I just, I can't, I would not jump on the, the bandwagon painting Canada as a Nazi nation. When Yaroslav Hunka, that Nazi, was popped up there in Parliament. How convenient. How convenient. Now, there's a guy who believes in free speech, Louis. Yeah, Rick, shut your stinking pie hole. Thanks, Louie. What do you want, Louie? Since we're in the chat, what is it you would like Louis Cornelius Vast? What do you advocate for? Do you believe in democracy? Do you believe people should be allowed to vote? Or are you all for an overthrow of the government and the installation of a dictatorship? Hate your country, do you, Louie? Rick hangs around Laurie Spencer and all communist Nazis. 
Yeah. I understand your concern. That's very telling. And that's an interesting way to say it, communist Nazis. You know, I've been calling the globalist communo-fascists. You and I might not be so far apart. I have a lot of concerns about it. I have a lot of concerns. A lot of concerns about that. You might, you might want to rethink your criticism of me because I'm rethinking my criticism of you. Because I don't agree with those people who want to tear the whole country down. I don't like communism and I do not like fascism. I don't like Nazis any more than I like communists. I can get along with communists I under because I understand that no political system is pure. And there's compromise and you have to live with other people who have different points of view. And you need to compromise in order to get along and make things work. And sometimes some of the ideas from various ideologies, some of the ideas are valid. Other ones are not. That's the way I look at it. So you end up with a hybrid system made to work and serve the interests of the people in the best way that we can hopefully without resorting to violence. Why aren't we friends? I don't know if that's directed at me, Louie. Um, I thought we were. I mean, you called me actually on the phone a few months ago. and We had a nice conversation. It went on for quite a while. Remember? I thought we were friends. Because you got banned, and then I unbanded it. Do you remember? Because you called and asked me to unban you, and I did. And I don't think I was me who banned you, but maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have. I don't know. Anyway, you're back in here. Mouth says, Rick thinks you're a nut. <laughs> did I ban you? You effing, I don't think I did. I think it was somebody else, but maybe I did. I'll, t I'll take the blame for it. That's okay. It says you're still banned. Well, then why are you in the chat if you're banned? I don't know, man. Whatever. Whatever. Point is, I still love my country. Love Americans, love Canada. I just think that there are a lot of people right now who want to tear it all apart. That being said, going to bring you this while we take a, well, you know what? I'm going to close the show off with Stephen Baker. That's what I'm going to do. I'll close the show with Stephen Baker because I think we need a little inspiration right now instead of a lot of negativity. Let me, uh, let me take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and uh, we're going to talk about electric cars we're going to talk about that couple that sold their house in Canada and bought a freaking castle in France. How wacky is that? Don't go away. We are Mavericks. <laughs> 
We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind Hello, here I am, I'm back. Uh, today, House of Commons. Let's see if I got that clip for you. I think I do. Here it is. Um, this is a story that actually has been around, I think, for a day, maybe two, I don't know, earlier this week. But it came up in the House of Commons again. Uh, and I haven't touched on it yet, but it's amazing, really, what inflation has done to this country, to the people, to us. So today, a story about the Canadian couple that sold their modest home in a small community in Canada and then took that money and <laughs> exchanged it basically for a castle in France. Yeah, front and center during question period today. Let's listen in and, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit. Bain, we're seeing we results, and there's more to do, but 70,000 people who were on the street are no longer on the street. 122,000 people who were close to homeless are not in that position anymore because of the national housing strategy. Thank you very much. Here, here. L'Honorable Député de Paris Sound, Muskoka. After eight years of this NDP Liberal government, all Canadians now know that the Prime Minister is just simply not worth the cost. In 2021, a couple from Fergus, Ontario, swapped their four-bedroom, 2,400-square-foot home on three-quarters of an acre for a 6,300-square-foot, 16th-century French chateau on 37 acres near the Bordeaux wine region in the south of France. 
Today, they admit that if they were to sell that mansion in the south of France, they wouldn't have enough money to buy their old home in Fergus. So I'm wondering why it is cheaper to buy a mansion in the south of France than a family home in rural Ontario. The Honourable Member, or rather the Honourable Parliamentary Secretary. He is a former mayor and he knows, therefore, that the affordability challenge that Canadians face, whether it's respect to rent or whether it's respect to the challenge of buying a home, is due to a lack of supply. This government recognizes that. That's why we've moved ahead to put incentives on the table for the private sector, for example, for builders. Lifting the GST on the construction of purpose-built rentals, period. That side wants to maintain the tax for the purposes of building rental homes for the middle class. It's unacceptable. It's a reckless approach, Mr. Speaker. Well, I think the government maybe misses a point. Canada has 20 times the land and half the people of France, and it's still cheaper to buy a house in France. But, of course, after eight years of this Prime Minister's inflationary deficits, mortgage costs have doubled. In 2015, the average mortgage payment was $1,400, Mr. Speaker. Today, it's over $3,500. And now half of Canada's housing markets are severely unaffordable. When will the NDP Liberal Coalition finally end their inflationary deficits so Canadians can afford to keep their homes, Mr. Speaker? Mr. Speaker, as I've said, uh, and I emphasize, that the challenge on affordability with respect to housing, writ large, has to do with the lack of supply. When demand is high and supply is limited, you're always going to have an expensive situation. We see that with respect to housing. What this government is doing is working with municipalities to see more homes built. This morning, as I said, we saw the city of Brampton move ahead working with this government in, in exchange rather for a $114 million investment. They're gonna get more homes built, Mr. Speaker. They're dealing with missing middle housing. They're dealing with exclusionary zoning. I thank the city of Brampton. Thank you. Deputy de Kenora. Mr. Speaker, a recent survey has found nearly 70% of millennials and those younger have put off the purchase of a home because of rising prices and rising interest rates. After eight years of this NDP Liberal government, that is their legacy. Uh, inflationary deficits that are driving up the cost of living and making housing out of reach for many young people across the country. It's clear this Prime Minister is not worth the cost, so why doesn't he finally listen to our common sense approach to stop his inflationary spending so that Canadians can afford a home again? The Honourable Parliamentary Secretary. He talks about young people, and I'll give him credit in his time during uh, being a member of Parliament, he has put issues on the table with respect to youth, so he can support this government, or at least he should have, with respect to the tax-free savings account that this government put in place to help young people save for down payment. Up to $40,000 can be put into that account, again, tax-free. Add to that, of course, the fact that we continue to build more. We continue to put in place, rather, policies that will see more homes built. We're doing that in partnership with municipalities. They're against all of that, Mr. Speaker. They've put half measures on the table. That's not good enough. Shame. Then I have Deputy de Kenora. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Canadians don't have the funds to put into a savings account because of the cost of living crisis this government has created. He mentions building homes. Uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, we have not enough home building in this country uh, to keep up with demand. After eight years of this government, uh, housing prices have skyrocketed. They've actually doubled. Mortgage rates are up, and the young students and young professionals 
have given up completely on their dream of home ownership. So I ask again, when will they finally stop their inflationary spending so that young people can afford a home? Mr. Speaker, when the Conservatives were in power, they ran seven consecutive... Okay, enough of that. I will now draw your attention to this CTV story that just kind of lays out the whole story. This couple that uh, bought this mansion in France. You see, when you when you live in a castle, it's it's not France, it's France. <laughs> oh my! I, I shouldn't even laugh. It's it's tragic, actually, what 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 this government has done to our economy and to us. It's it's a terrible thing. Oh, they are so stupid, <laughs> or maybe brilliant, um, evil, perhaps. You can, you can decide. Uh, it's terrible. Anyway, slice it. This next story underscores the astronomical home prices we are seeing across Ontario. A family recently <laughs> sold their house in Fergus in order to buy a chateau in France. CTV Spencer Turcott has more on their unique house hunt. From Fergus to France, it's the fairy tale version of finding a home, except for this couple. It's a reality. We have certainly made a big change. Yep. Stephen and Sarah Cole lived in a four-bedroom home in the quaint southern Ontario town. You know, I, it was definitely a large home for two people, but, you know, we like to entertain. Little did they know <laughs> their space for entertaining was about to grow exponentially. The pair fell in love with France after visiting several times. But the dream of living there felt like exactly that, until one property popped up after sifting through hundreds of listings. You know, eventually a chateau crosses your, your uh, search yeah. and you discover that that's with, within the craziness of the Canadian market, it mm -hmm. becomes attainable. In 2021, they made the move to Saint-Germain-des-Prés in Dordogne, France. So the house in Fergus was 2,400 square feet. Right. And this <laughs> one's north of 6,300. All of it on 37 acres of land. Yeah, it takes me six hours to mow. So, how much does a castle like theirs cost? <laughs> oh, um, unfortunately, my. we're not going to talk specific numbers, but it was enough that we could do pretty much a sweet, a straight swap for the house in, um, for the for the chateau. They're keeping it a royal secret, but there's no hiding how hard it would be to return <laughs> to the Canadian housing market. Well, particularly where the market was at that time. If we sold the chateau now, we probably couldn't move back to Fergus. A sentiment echoed by realtor Sean Ramator. Unless you're looking at, you know, selling and moving to a rental unit or you're retiring or you are leaving the country for whatever reason, um, the longer you're out of home ownership and in that market, the more challenging it becomes to get back in. The couple have managed to make a business out of their manor too, called Manor and Maker. They welcome artists of many kinds to come together and use their space to create things. It's also used as an event space. Yeah, our, our social calendar's certainly been busier than it ever has been. So while they may be living like royalty, they're certainly working for it along the way. Spencer Turcott, CTV News. Great story. That's a great story. That story is in itself generating more news. It's creating a 
public reaction and then more reaction in the House of Commons because it's just fueling all of that, right? All this talk about inflation, which is front and center as a main issue. Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives scoring big on that issue. That's one of the, the things that's uh, propelling him to new heights in the polls and probably to the Prime Minister's office. Huge story. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about electric cars. Yeah. Except electric cars becoming gas cars. Looks like the internal combustion engine isn't dead yet. Don't go away. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Where shall I begin with this story? Fisker. Fisker had an electric car. The Fisker Karma came out years ago. Didn't have great range. Very expensive. Company went belly up. It still exists today, but it's been reconstituted. They had a bunch of the shells of the cars, these electric cars. And they were pretty sweet looking cars, not the best built, but pretty cool looking. Well, one of the former executives from General Motors put together a team or became part of a team and they bought up the bodies. And you know what they did with those things? They put big block Chevy V8 engines in them uh, to give them supercar performance and then sold them at a premium price. That sets the stage for what we're seeing today. Toyota is a company that still doesn't believe in an all-electric future for the auto industry. A lot of people still very skeptical of it. Stellantis Chrysler came out with a concept muscle car, all-electric. Let, uh, let me roll this for you. I'll show you what they're talking about. It's pretty cool looking blistering performance and blah 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 and it looks like this thing they might actually want to put into production so take a look at this and then i'm going to tell you what they're doing with this what they're probably going to be doing with this and uh it's it's surprising some people hold on a minute do we hear that right dodge is making an electric car 
talking hypothetical, right? Surely you jest. Dodge? You mean the people who devised the legendary 426 Hemi and sunk it into a sublime huh? missile? You mean the Dodge that created the Hellcat Red Eye and the most powerful muscle car in the world? Makers of the 840 horsepower wheel standing demon? Why on God's green earth would Dodge ever build an electric car? Anybody? Any thoughts out there? Hello? Because it's really fast. And because the government incentivizes them to do stuff like that. But. It's a concept car, right? And they've they've revealed the thing. But now there is a. Um, now there's a. Uh, <laughs> well, some leaked photos from the factory. That have come out. And uh, and the leaked photos suggest that what they're going to do <laughs> with this electric car is that they're going to produce it with still the option of getting an, an internal combustion engine because they're, they've put a, uh, a transmission hump in it. Let me show you. Here we go. Okay, so this is the Dodge Charger Daytona SRT electric concept. It was revealed last year. And let me get that up big for you. Bring I'm going to show you the uh I'm going to show you the the spy shots of this car. Don't know who took these photos. They probably get in trouble if anybody finds out. But here it is. Secret pics. There it is. Now, you see, <laughs> because these things have leaked out, now everybody's like, wait a minute. Why is that hump in the center if it's an electric car? Because in an electric car, you don't need that. Because, folks, they've put it in there. And now everybody in the automotive world is saying, oh, they're probably going to put a, a V8 in it. <laughs> After all. So all this hype about about um, creating a, a, a high-powered electric muscle car, and they're still going back to an electric or to a, an internal combustion engine. And in fact, um, I'm hearing Stellantis Chrysler. Um, they're looking at even developing some new high-performance internal combustion engines. And there it is there too. And so it's still a false floor room for a battery pack, but it shows that the commitment, see how it's designed for the transmission with an electric vehicle, you do not need that. So ice powered vehicles, internal combustion engines, not dead yet, not by a long shot, not by a long shot. And then I came across this today, which also 
may give people pause before running out to embrace an all-electric vehicle future. This is a lithium-ion battery pack. I'm going to show this to you, and let me show you what happens when it's pierced with a nail, just a nail. I'll bring it up at the right time here when it cycles through. So imagine your vehicle is in an accident and a piece of steel, iron, from the car somehow penetrates the battery pack. Okay, so this is it burning. I'll let it cycle through here. I don't know how to rewind on these. Uh, I don't know if I can. These Facebook reels, there's no control. Anyway, here it is. Look at that. That's all it takes. And there's so much energy in there. And once they start burning, when the battery packs on a car start to burn, it's almost impossible for firefighters to put them out. I've seen them trying to fight those, those fires and highly, highly toxic. The smoke that comes off of those things. And I won't even start to talk about how the increased weight of those vehicles is creating a lot of new concerns about what happens in accidents. Especially if you're talking about an electric vehicle with a giant battery and a huge amount of mass colliding head on with a much lighter vehicle powered by an internal combustion engine the vehicle with more mass wins in a big way. Things to be concerned about, things to think about as we accelerate into this crazy future that they've cooked up for us. I'm worried about it, but I'm trying not to worry so much. You know who else needs to worry? Owen Schroyer. That guy, it looks like he's going to the slammer, eh? Here's a, just a little thing from the InfoWars page. Because remember he was convicted? Friday Warm Live, Owen Schroyer's final broadcast before becoming a political prisoner. So, yeah. Because I think he has to... Uh, I think he has to go to jail because he was over there at J6. I'll just get the uh, details for you. I don't remember all the details. Yeah, two months in prison. He was sentenced to too much in prison for joining the riot at the U.S. Capitol because prosecutors said he helped create it by spewing violent rhetoric and spreading baseless claims of election fraud. That's what they asserted in court. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's off to the slammer. 
Isn't that nice? No. And then we, <laughs> man, politics is, it's like I said, it's a blood sport. It's a blood sport. Yeah. And uh, what else do I have for you tonight? That's kind of, kind of where we're at for this evening. But you know what I did want to do? Because again, you know, like I said, I think we need some inspiration. Because I want to rewind back in time to the John Diefenbaker era in Canada. You know, he, um, he served as prime minister back in the 1960s, 1963. This is a guy who he was able to walk to work without a security detail from the RCMP around him. Different time, different prime minister. Conservative. And there's a famous recording. I played it on this program, but maybe a couple of years ago. But I want to play it for you again tonight because it speaks to our rights and freedoms and the way he viewed them when he was prime minister. And this is what Canadians today still hold dear, even new Canadians. This is what brings people to Canada. This is what Canada is really all about. I think for a lot of us, let me play it for you. John Diefenbaker. My creed as a Canadian is summed up in these words. I am a Canadian, a free Canadian, free to speak without fear, free to worship God in my own way, free to stand for what I think right, free to oppose what I believe wrong, free to choose those who shall govern my country, this heritage of freedom, I pledge to uphold for myself and all mankind, for I am a Canadian. Yeah. Don't give up on the country, man. Let's just vote. Get involved. Let's get it back. Don't go away.
historic news. The world is watching. Do I have any other stories to share with you this evening before we do our next thing? Mm, I think we've kind of covered all the bases. So, how about uh, coming up in 8.13? Let's go to the phones, shall we? All right, let me just get this in here we can talk about anything you guys want to talk about it's friday friday what was the name of that girl who did that friday song yeah i can't remember was it I can't remember her name she was like a one-hit wonder funny People then, like, they loved to hate it. Can't play it for you. I'll look her name up here in a second. The Friday song. That was like the Bay City Rollers, too. The Bay City Rollers. With their Saturday. S A T U R. Why? <laughs> Night. <laughs> oh. S A T U R D A Y. Night. <laughs> I'm just punching some. Stuff in here, security codes to get the uh, phone system working. That ought to do it. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's roll this, you know, what number to phone so you can call in and tell me what you're thinking. Here we go. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975. Free. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. 
Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Okay, here I am, and there you guys are. And you can call in and join the conversation at 1-833-975-3733. 1-833-975-3733. Let's go to our first caller of the night. Who's on the line? Good evening, Sir Maverick. How are you? Well, I'm just fine. How are you tonight, Chris? I'm good. Now, obviously, it didn't, it didn't pick up again. It did not. I'm going to have to change it to something. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to have to change it to something totally different. That something maybe higher pitch that it picks up or something. I don't know. I don't <laughs> so, Main thing is you're here so and we're chatting, so that's good. Yeah. What's, what's so, happening? You know, you're going to, not too much. So you were talking about the Bay City Rollers. Well, it's funny you brought them up because a couple of nights ago on YouTube, I was just scrolling through it, and the Bay City Rollers came up, and I love that group growing up in in the seventies, like I would like like listen to them nonstop, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that Saturday night SAT that was so cool. <laughs> but you know, I think every generation has a every child in every generation has a song that drives their parents absolutely insane. Yeah. So back in the fifties, early fifties, there was a song called "The Green Door," and my older brother would play it nonstop. And my parents would just... Anyways, that came about the other night, too. And I thought that was kind of cool. And then my kids... Remember that song by Billy Ray Cyrus called Achy Breaky Heart? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my kids drove me crazy with that. I'd be outside doing yard work, and they would literally put the radio in the window. And blasted as loud as they could. I mean, like I was hearing that in my sleep. So it's funny how every gener every generation of kids has something they're going to drive their parents crazy with, and we're going to remember it. In the road. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of thought that was cool. You brought that up tonight. I thought, yeah, that's that's something different to talk uh, about. Something positive. Yeah. Something oh, fun. And you, oh, and you know, <clears throat> I don't know why, but every once in a while. The Partridge family and David Cassidy, they pop up in my feed. Oh, right. Yeah. And, oh, is uh, it right? Yeah. Maybe it's because, you know, about a year ago, I did a search on David Cassidy. Don't recall why. Um, I think I was because I was thinking of Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. He was an alcoholic oh. and he died of okay. um, complications from alcoholism. Very tragic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch, and the Partridge Family. I and think I love you. Just all so those. What so yeah. Of. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And you know what? My dad used to love the Archie Bunker. I <laughs> to this day. Remember that? I mean, remember that? Oh my God! You know, if he <laughs> if he was if he talked the way he did back then, oh my lord! <laughs> yeah. But that was such a good show, too. Like, you know, it's kind of nice to go down memory lane once in a while and just get out of the real world for a while. It really is. <laughs> you know, 
sometimes you just got to do that. You know, you, you just got to sit back and go, let's go back. Do you think those days you know? were better or is it just because we were kids and we were insulated and maybe weren't uh, aware of uh, the turmoil of the time? You look back at the history, there were a lot of, a lot of things happening back then too. Is it just that maybe we're more right. aware now or no? Well, remember back then we didn't have internet and all this stuff either. So, you know, things didn't come fast to us. I mean, when I was growing up, I remember getting, our parents, my parents getting their first colored TV set. And then we had that rotor. Remember the dial and yeah. the big tower you had at the side of your house. Yeah. So then you had to turn that and sometimes you'd get a station and sometimes it would come in really clear and your parents would say, okay, just stand there and hold that. That's right. <laughs> no, right. That's when, that's when Everybody had power. actually useful. Exactly. But no, you know what? I, I still think they were better times. Even there's lots of turmoil going on in the world. I yeah. still think it was better times. Even, Definitely. you know, I'm sure if our, like if my parents were still alive, I mean, you could ask your parents, what did they think of back in those times? My parents are both gone. I can't ask them, but mm. you know, I, I, I just think it was better times. It, you know, life wasn't as stressful as it is today. I really honestly believe that the internet, and cell phones and everything really did change the world. Yeah, yeah. And and it's so easy to fight online. And as you heard that someone last night there just going off like crazy. Well, <laughs> what did that accomplish? I wonder. I don't know. You know, but it was it was better times. And yeah. and I'd give anything to go back to those times. I'd even be happy to go back to the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe not yeah. quite as far about, but you know, just, just to go back, if we could all have one more turn to go back to where a year that we want, uh, a time that we want to be in, mm -hmm. maybe that's what we need to do is go back in time, try to find things online that you remember listening to, you remember doing. I think it's a great stress reliever. I, I really do. I think music is always a great stress reliever. Yeah, and you can't you know, do better it's, it's, than organ music for a hockey game. Oh, there you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, you don't even, yeah, but, yeah, kind of all, I didn't really call for anything in particular tonight. Um, well, you know, except for those pictures I sent you. What did you think of them? Well, you're talking about the uh, the, the, the Starship Enterprise Sausage? in Vulcan, Alberta. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and the sausage and the big lamp. What did you think did, of all those? I didn't see those. I didn't understand what the heck you were talking oh. about. I thought you were on some strange oh. hallucinogenic drug or something when you were sending me that message. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think of the sausage? What sausage? What sausage? Uh, you didn't. You didn't get those pictures. No, I didn't. But you. But you got. But oh. you got the spaceship one. I did. I saw. I have that. I'll, I'll share it with people right now. This is uh, okay, that's Vulcan, really odd. Alberta, right? So yeah. let me show people Vulcan, Alberta. And you and you and you replied <laughs> yeah. the real the finally, aliens doing this. That's right, finally, and I yeah. thought, what the hell are you? Finally, definitive And I'm thinking, proof. what the hell are you talking about? Definitive <laughs> I said proof. you're a spaceship and you're talking aliens. <laughs> there it is. This is Vulcan, Alberta. Finally, we have definitive proof of aliens. I've been waiting there you go. and waiting, and now we finally have it. Yeah, but you, you, you didn't get the giant sausage or the giant lamp. I don't know what the heck you're talking Off about. 
What are you talking okay, about? Okay, I will. Well, Sausage. okay, so what I think you know, that. So I'm trying, I was sending you things about different landmarks from that lady that called you that time from Saskatchewan. Yeah. yeah. So I was trying to show you kind of out here in Alberta. So I sent you three attachments. Well, obviously, you've only got the last one of the spaceship. Yeah. Because I have sent you two more of two different towns. Okay. One has a giant lamp, and one has a giant sausage. Okay. Do you know what the name of the town is? It has a giant sausage? Yeah, it's called Mondaire, M-U-N-D-A-R-E. Mondaire, Alberta, giant sausage. Yeah. Let's take a look. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is a giant sausage, isn't it? Holy, uh-huh. holy Mandare. <laughs> and you know why that's there? Because it's because it's, uh, it's a Ukraine town, but they also make sausages. That is a very popular company that makes sausages. And oh. actually their sausages are now in, are getting out distributed into the bigger stores. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of, so okay. The- and then the other one was in, the other one was in Denolta, D-O-N. ALDA, Alberta. And it's a giant lamp. Giant lamp. Like a lantern. Yeah, a giant. Okay, so that is massive. And they, yeah, and at night it comes on, it lights up the whole town. Sort of like a big, and it's it's supposed to be like a lantern lamp, like a kerosene type lamp. Of course, it's electric, right? Right. Now, in Donalta, they have a museum there that strictly strictly has all old um, lantern lamps from way back. It's, oh, it's incredible. My. Yeah. So, see, so we do have stuff out there. So that's what I was trying to say. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> I wasn't on drugs. I don't see, do drugs. This, <laughs> this is what Canada is all about. Right? There you go. Yeah, the Ukrainian community, they're all about the sausages. And in Denolta, yep. it's all about the lamp. And in yep. Vulcan, it's all Every about the camp. aliens. <laughs> yeah, and if you actually go into Vulcan, you go into the restaurants, sometimes they'll even dress up like some star, some of the Star Wars theme in star some Trek, of the restaurants. Star they used to. I don't star, know if they... Star Trek. Star Trek. I, I don't know if they... Yeah, I don't know if they still do, but they used to. But I think in the summer more so, because that's when you get your most tourists going through, right? So yeah. they try to make it. Has but, the Star yeah, Trek, every every has anybody from the Star Trek cast visited Vulcan? Yes, I believe William Shatner did, and I believe um, Leonard Nimoy did. Right here it says, after a private tour, I'm looking it up on Google. After a private tour of Vulcan's okay. Trek-inspired tourist center, Nimoy joined the high school band as well as the town council dressed in Star Trek uniforms in a parade through yeah. Vulcan's downtown. <laughs> Nimoy unveiled a bronze yeah. bust of Spock, Nimoy's character in the Star Trek series, which was commissioned by the town. Here's a picture. And I don't know. I don't, are there, there's got to be a photo of Nimoy in Vulcan. Like well, I'm sure there is somewhere. I don't know. There are a lot of pictures online, but. Visit Vulcan, Alberta. Yeah. Yeah, which is in the southern. There, there. It, there he is. The southern oh, part. this is beautiful. Okay, let me bring this up. Yeah. There you this, go. This is exactly. See, so I'm, see, I'm not making things up. <laughs> no, no, of course not. I've heard of Vulcan, Alberta. I kind of forgot. 
but he had done that. Okay, so here's Leonard Nimoy, Spock. Of course, he passed away a few years ago. But there, there he went to right. Vulcan, doing the uh, "Live Long and Prosper" Vulcan hand sign there in Vulcan, Alberta. And there's some people standing in front of the Enterprise. And there's Nimoy. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Which do you like better, Star Wars or Star Trek? I, I was going to say Star Trek. Yeah. That was because that's what I grew up with, right? So, hey, what did you think of the little church that I sent you? The picture of that. Well, I thought that was pretty cool. Really, we, we showed that on the air that night. I found it. Yeah, I yeah, think did. you did. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, there, I mean, there's lots, like, this is what Canada is about, exactly. Every province, every little town has their own, their own thing that they, yeah. they're good for, right? Like, that's what they're, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of neat, right? So, I just thought, I just thought I'd bring that up tonight, just something different with, with the music. And, yeah, very cool. And, you know, the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family and Archie and my three sons, I remember that. Yes. And, and I love Lucy. Remember Lucy? Gotta oh, love Lucy. Yeah, yeah, I love Lucy. <laughs> and I, I watched a clip from the old Laverne and Shirley show earlier this morning. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the Fawns. Happy Days. Yep. yep. The Happy Days. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it, was all, it was all good times. And you know what? The shows back then were innocent. There was no violence in them. They were all yep. family-oriented shows, like Leave It to Beaver, like that's going way back. Yeah. You know, the mother would be all dressed dressed to the nines by 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it makes me wonder, you know, but, you know what, what kids are going to grow up to be now in the next few years because of what they're consuming through mass media. It's yeah. much grittier. It's darker. It's uh, so adult-oriented, yeah. all of it now. Even, you know, the superhero stuff, you know, it's... Not so much for kids. It's, it's different. I know. No, and, and, and that concerns me. Like you know, twenty years down the road, what what are kids going to remember from just yeah. these last few years? And God knows how much longer, and how traumatized are they going to be? And yeah. so I think it's really important that parents, you know, try to keep them off social. I mean, it's hard. It, it, it's really hard to you know, but control what they're seeing and. And I know that parents work, you know, most parents work sometimes. So a lot of them are single moms working, you know, and their kids are home alone. You don't really know what they're up to. Yes. You know, and it's, it's, it's got to be really challenging today. Like, I'm glad my kids are all growing up oh and gone. The, the content that you can just access online, you know, from, you know, actual, actual people being killed, war footage, yeah. death, sex depraved sex, yeah. all kinds of crazy things and kids just instant access to it with, with yep. a click, you know? So how do parents well, shield their, their kids from I that? I exactly. don't know. You know, it's not even just so much media. Like my nine-year-old grandson said to me on Saturday night, he said, grandma, how, how come there's so much shooting and people being killed in Edmonton? being killed with guns and why are bombs being dropped on people and i and and i looked at him and i really like he caught me off guard i didn't know what to say right and i said so where are you picking this up from he goes well sometimes daddy will watch global news at night and if the tv's near his room so he'll open the door and i and be watching right so i had a little talk with my son and i said you know 
just don't let them see this stuff. Like, seriously, because I, I really didn't know what to say. I, I told them the truth. I said, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world. I mean, what else can you say to them? I mean, yeah. What do you say to a nine-year-old? I don't Especially know. when they throw you off guard. So if nine-year-olds are picking it up, that means the younger ones are still probably picking it up but not understanding as much. Then you got the teenagers. Man, oh, man, they must be being bombarded left, right, and center. It's like no child should have to to grow up in, in this kind of environment. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it just seems so sad. It's so sad to me. It really is. Yeah, it's sad to compared me. Compared to what we grew up and in, I, right? I think of when we grew up, there were things like I watched Watergate as a kid, right? Um, right. I remember that. Uh, yeah. You know, what are the things, you know, stuff from the Vietnam War that you saw on TV? Yeah. Um, but it was but no, even no even that wasn't as graphic as it is today. No, no, not nearly as much of it either, right? Because you just like you, the news today. Just it's just yeah, they're just bombarding us, and you know yeah. they don't need to be showing us all this stuff. We get it. We know what's going. We know what happens when a bomb drops. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, like, it's it's never to, ending. You, you have know? to go in there and show us. I know it's just to some degree. But I, I'm just I, hoping I that this weekend. I, yeah. 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 Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I hope this weekend, like you said, at that Million Man March, I guess it is continuing I, in a lot of places yeah. from what I'm hearing. And you are going to be getting the Palestines and the Israels. Well, not so much Israel, but I'm noticing a lot the Palestines are really standing up over. You know, you're going to get that in mixture. And if anybody's going out, please just be careful. Just yes. be careful of your surroundings because, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? It's so... But, or spend time with your kids and go do something while the weather's still nice instead, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, because the weather's changing. We're, they're calling for snow up to 10 centimeters here on Monday, and oh. I hope that's wrong. Oh. <laughs> oh. I know. I, mean, no. I know. It's like, no. Here I am. I've, <laughs> been trying to, cold. I've been trying to lift people up, and now you're talking about snow. I'm sorry. Only out here, not your way. Just here. <laughs> we always get winter before you guys. Never fails. Well, I'm like, I, oh my God. Like, we need to put a big dome over Alberta. This is stop Because we always get all these cold fronts that come down from the Arctic, right? Yeah. Like, right over Alberta. It's like, can't we just put a big dome over us and say, go away? Well, but Elon it Musk is what wants, it is. Elon Musk wants to terraform Mars. Why can't we just terraform earth so that yeah. we don't have winter anymore yeah that would be i'd be okay with that yeah, actually you know i don't really mind the snow too much because i do like skating and i like going to bargaining with my grandson it's just the cold as we get older i just don't like the cold as much anymore it's yeah. too hard on the bones <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyways I okay i know thank you i'll let Chris. you get on to your next caller so i just wanted to go down memory lane a little bit and hope everybody has a great weekend okay Thank you. Take, Take care. care. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Let's go to Pam next. Hello, Pam. Hello, Rick. Boy, that last caller was quite chipper, very cheerful. I'm <laughs> glad she came on. Um, I, I love their Bay City rollers, so I lift them up because I saw them when I went to England with my school when I was young. Mm -hmm. And um, we were on a, a, lit, a lit class tour. and um, 
They had them in the, they were playing in a department store because they weren't well known yet. So I came back to Canada and immediately cut off my jeans to make them mid-length and sewed carton around the border <laughs> because that's what they wore. It, it was so much fun, you know, I, I, yeah. it was such a good memory. Yeah, and it's yeah. such a it was, it was such a cheerful song, even though even though it was bye bye baby goodbye, but it, the the music to it was very cheerful, you know. And yeah. uh, but anyway, I just wanted to say thank you to all the Mavericks who who um, in the family who gave me their condol condolences when my little Tippy passed away, and um, that's all I want to say, or I'll start crying. But um, but then thank you for that interview you had with that woman last week uh, about moving to Alberta or no Saskatchewan. So I, I went online the next day and I started looking at homes in Saskatchewan and man, for, for, for the price of a home here, like, uh, you know, if you build equity in your home, you could go there and you can get a 1000 to 1500 square foot home for a really good one. Nice one. With renovations for about seventy-five to hundred thousand dollars, it was incredible. Depending wow. on where you want to live, there. Yeah. Yeah. And well. so I, I'm actually considering that, unless I win the lotto, and I'd love to buy a castle. And then I, I was joking around with everyone tonight in the chat because if I bought a castle, you know, we'd have to make Lord Leo master of the turrets and defense system. And uh, <laughs> and other people were out their back and said, "I'll be the blacksmith, and, <laughs> and I'll be the one who looks after the animals." It was quite a lot of fun. So it's just that little bit of hope that something is going to bring us out of this dark period. You know, I hope I I pray that we I pray that we move on. But you know, yesterday or when you showed that Biden hugging. Um, Netanyahu, I mean, you know, how many people trust Biden? And now how many people trust Netanyahu because they have this? <laughs> you know, that's kind of like, I mean, it kind of it, it kind of struck me as odd that they would hug. Hmm. Yeah, it just, it just did. Just a mood point. But, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's really hard to decipher what's really going on in the world of truth right these days it is yes yeah yeah but i just i won't keep you long because you probably got other colors but i, I just do wanted, you have to move on but thank you pam i just i just wanted to say thank you for bringing a cheery show on tonight because i i and with a bit of news but you know the cheer was really good to hear love that castle story though yeah, yeah, it's got me dream. Yeah, I think yeah, let's let's sure let's is. all move to France. Let's pool our funds and we'll buy a giant castle and we'll divvy it up. We'll call it the the Ma Maverick Castle. The Maverick Mansion. The Maverick Maverick Estate. <laughs> okay. Because we'll have different we'll have different little mini estates for everyone <laughs> and it's sort of like what they did with the old Weir Castle, Weir, Weir Castle, W-I-E-R, um, in Scotland. And some developer bought it up and sold a, you know, off one foot of land for like, I don't know, 200 bucks and a, a foot or something a few years ago. And, and so people bought 
you know, several yeah. feet so they could put their tents up there. Well, you know, but we could we could just yeah. make it exclusive to Maverick family members and <laughs> and give you know, yeah, and uh, and have appointments where everybody does a certain well. has a certain task that they <laughs> love to do that yeah. they're good at. Well, we better let's. Yeah. I'm going to move on to John, and maybe he'll have some thoughts on that. Thank you, Pam. You have a great day. All right, night. dear. Take care. Right. Bye bye. Okay, here's John. Here's the man. Uh, Rick, you're into bubblegum music, eh? Oh yeah, man, in a huge way. It's the uh, it's the opposite of rap. The '60s. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, get it, get hip. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, uh, and the seventies too, John, the seventies, you know, disco. That's the way. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I got this, I got this st- song stuck in my head three days now. I keep singing it in my head three, three well, days. Sing it for us. What is it? Um, uh, you guys should listen to it. It's, it's, uh, it's about life. Uh, Chris Cornell, be yourself. There you go, Rick. Chris Cornell. Okay. You ever heard Chris Cornell? I don't think so. No. Nope. Nah. Too hmm. old, eh? Uh, I'm, I'm, too I'm old. old I'm but I, yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta open up. Anyhow, Chris Cornell, be yourself. It's uh stuck in my head three days in a row now. Well, sing it for I us. Don't know what... I haven't heard it. Lay it on us. Oh, I can't. I'm not, I'm not a singer, man. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just just, just, a, just listen one, to yourself. Just, when just you... a little, just a teeny snippet. Come on. Come on. Uh, I fall to pieces. <laughs> I think you got to be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself. <laughs> I, I, I I gotta bring the lyrics up. I I listen to that song once in a while, and and I heard it on the radio, and it's stuck in my head now for three days in a row. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's it's brainwashing. <laughs> they make it, it stick in it's your head. An they get a good song, hook, right? And it just sticks in. Oh, your, it's an amazing song. Brain, and you can't get like, it out. Re- really, ta- talent, and and all the musicians. Are all talented. It's too bad he died. Yeah. He was he was a, a great great uh, great. Uh, they, everywhere I go, that the, all these musicians are all honoring to, honor, still honoring him. He's that was good. He was good, good guy. Um, watching the news tonight, yeah. the Pentagon since April, eight hundred UFO spottings. Call the calls, eight hundred calls on UFOs. Wow, eight hundred <laughs> since April. <laughs> uh, people are seeing them, but I don't know. I I keep looking up. I can't. Yeah, see the it. more we talk about it, the more they see them. <laughs> but anyway, listen, John. No, I, I, I I'm getting a message coming in. I think I'm not sure if this is super important or not, but I think we're going to move on because somebody's telling me that this next person in, is in line, and I'm getting notifications, so it might be important. I, sure. I don't know, but thank you. Go ahead. All have right. a good have a good weekend. Thank you. Bye. Oh, by the way, John, 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 I got I got your okay. He hung up, but I got your mail and the picture of the Firebird, which I believe is a '67. 
which is not what I had. It was you're, the one in the picture is way nicer than the one I had when I was young. Mine was not not the nicest. It was a used old used Firebird. Who do we have on the line now? Is this Charlotte? Yes, it is. Well, hello. Can you hear me? I can. Hello. Okay, I have a story, and it's not a great story. It's kind of sad. It's my. Uh, it's about masking. So, anyways, my brother is younger than me, and I'm older, and he's ten years younger than me, but he's not young. Mm -hmm. Anyways, his son is going his first year of college. And they're all vaccinated in my family. The, my oldest sister is a, uh, what, had a doctorate in biology and she's a lawyer and she studies patent law. She doesn't believe in, well, she believes in organics and stuff, but you know, like I'm just trying to give you a lowdown on how they feel. I'm not vaccinated. Okay. I just want, I, I just need to caution I, you. We are on Facebook and YouTube. So we need to be I'm careful what we say so that we don't I'm just giving you a yeah. background. Okay, yeah, just just so anyway, so I was at dinner the other day because my oldest sister came from Texas for a visit. And uh we was uh, my brother was saying about his son, uh, he went to college his first day. He checked himself for the virus because this is going around now again. They're all quadruple shots. I don't know how many they've got now. And uh, he said that uh, he went to school and he wore a mask and everybody laughed at him. And I felt really bad for the kid because you know what I feel? Who made him so afraid that he would test himself and mask up before he went to school and then have his feelings hurt because he did the wrong thing? Mm -hmm. That's all I had to say. Yeah, I understand. Kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It is sad. Definitely. Well, listen, Charlotte, thank you for okay, the call. Okay, that's all I'm going to bring up. Yeah, thank you for sharing okay. that. Okay, you have a great night. Yeah. Okay, we're going to move too. on to... Bye -bye. Here he is, the man without a plan, the master of all disaster, the one and the only. You got it, baby. My lawyer called me today, and she sang a song, Money, 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 <laughs> Money. And then I sang her one back, the rodeo song. Here in my truck, and I don't give a fuck because I'm off to the rodeo. So I got a court date set for the 8th and the 9th of uh, November, pre-trial. Okay, and tell people what that's and for. That's for, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> really, I don't. They say it's for selling marijuana illegally. After it was legalized. Okay. So I told my lawyer, she's never, she's not a trial lawyer. I said, what's the deal? Well, you didn't tell me to get a deal. Well, listen, before I give you another fucking 7,500 bucks, it brings my legal bill up to $70,000 in cash I gave her. Okay. 
give me a deal. What are they going to do? Throw me in jail? I really don't give a fuck at this point. Really, I don't. You know, I can use some time away. You know, (laughs) if it's six months house arrest, who gives a shit? I'm at home anyways. Or about work, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, do I really want to keep throwing money into something that's, you know, you can't fight these cronies. I really related to what Rhonda had to say. And here's a song for Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. Remember that song? I do. Yes, yeah, I well, do. I, I could relate when she says that you know, the judges nowadays, right there, the, you know, jury executioner okay they're they're the whole fucking shebangies man it's sickening you know and i I go to my lawyer my lawyer secretary calls me and she says yeah i need our 7500 bucks by next week uh i said wait what's going on oh you're going to trial i'm going fucking trial i haven't even had election yet she goes what do you mean i (laughs) swallow election means do i want to go in front of a jury or do i want to go in front of a judge i said i haven't even had a pre-trial yet how are we going how are we going to trial without me even going to a pre-trial. Are they doing pre-trials and fucking elections without me? You got to stand there. It's called uh, stand cause, okay? And you got to stand in front of the judge and elect a judge or a jury. Who do you want? <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm to the point where really on the 8th or the 9th, what are you going to do? What's the deal on the table, right? I feel like Donald Trump. Yeah. Speaking of deals, who was on Trump's legal team for a while, took a plea deal. She's getting, she got, uh, what was it? $6,000 fine and some probation. And I don't remember how long she's on probation. And, uh, And then she has to testify and must tell the truth is what they said when they passed sentence on her. And so there, the assumption here is that she may flip on Trump and provide testimony that could hurt him. And it looks like that's what they're trying to do with a lot of the people they laid charges against is to apply pressure and then get them to testify against Trump when they get these pleadings. Right. And you know what, but that should be illegal. You know, you, uh, offering people deals and money and uh, yeah. uh, you name it. Okay. And you see it in a lot of uh, criminal cases where they'll uh, put somebody in a witness protection program, all expense paid trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, even though the guy's killed 25 people, he's a fucking serial killer. We're going to, for instance, Sammy Grovano, Sammy, the, Sammy, the bull, the rat. Yeah. Okay. And w- he was a fucking assassin for the, for the mob. Yeah. But they didn't care. They ended up getting, I think, five years in, in jail, which is fucking, which is, which is a kiss, okay. But he's killed twenty people in the process. But his testimony meant so much to uh, Rudy, eat your snot, Giuliani. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's get John Gotti, right? And this is what they do, right? Uh, you know, at that point, are you really credible? You killed twenty people. Yeah. Right, and that's what they're going to try and do with Donald Trump. That's what they're going to try and do with me too, because they subpoenaed a bunch of people, right? Uh, and uh, some of them, uh, I, I just didn't trust before, and I don't trust them now, right? So I think yeah. it might just be easier for me to go in and say, "Fuck you! I plead guilty. Fuck off out the door." What do you want to do with me? You want to give me free food, free clothing, free rent? No problem. Okay, 
I'm all ready. I'm jacked. I'm stacked. <laughs> so if I go, if I go silent for Maverick folks, you know, I'm in the clink. You can write to me at, uh, corrections, Canada, uh, throw my name down on here, you know, send me some uh, letters and, uh, and some money for stamps. Cause I'll send you letters back. How's that sound? Well, I hope it doesn't come well, to that, my friend. Cool. I hope it doesn't come to that. Me either, because, you know, a few people reached out to me in the last few days. Leo, you know what? You're doing the right thing, okay? You know, you're giving marijuana away to feed the hungry. I said, yeah, just imagine if they would have let it let it go, okay? There'd be no hunger in my city because people wouldn't be going to the stores and buying pot when you, you know, for a canned good donation. You got a joint, whatever, right? Uh, and, you, you know, it was working. It was working really good, so... You know, I, I come to believe that it really is unlawful to feed the wildlife and their wildlife, meaning the homeless, or even trying to help them out. Because if you're not a, an NGO or some kind of uh, uh, charity or government fucking uh, organization, okay, uh, they don't even want they don't even want you involved. Well, how are you going to do the do your thing where you're you're supposed to be living on the street for a week if you're going well? To that's the thing. Now that just that just screws everything right up for my uh, my little uh, homeless ordeal, right? Yeah, your charity thing. Because I wasn't expecting it the other day, right? And so you'll you'll see about it in probably mainstream media. It's uh, they all want to see what happens to me down here, right? So, but which is really weird because uh, Fun Guys is, is open again. Okay, and is they it? reopened. They really? got shut down. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they've been open. Fuck, this is what the fifth time they've been raided, and they're not closing. And they're not now. They're not even touching them. Wow! So they've been open for a few months without being raided, right? So, which is, you know, night and day. One thing's illegal, and the other one's legal. And but yet, let's prosecute the one that's legal, and leave the one that's illegal will fucking let them ride. Go make your millions. Yeah, because and they ain't doing what, shit what, for charity. What, what do they actually sell in Fun Guys? That's uh, magic magic mushrooms, DMT, LSD. All the fun stuff. Shit, they'd give you a, back twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, you would have got years in prison for a hit of LSD. Mm-hmm. Okay, and these guys are sounding DMT, sounding all over the. It's like they're joking me. You know, I'm not against mushrooms. I'm not against the LSD or any of it, really. Uh, but like I said, one thing's legal, the other one's not, right? So, you know, who are they paying off? That's the question. Very interesting. You know, now that the police aren't even touching them, they're just sick and tired of, uh, they probably went through, uh, uh, the money that they get every year allocated to, uh, drugs and guns. They probably fucking blew through that in a hurry mm-hmm. on something that, you know, what somebody is just going to keep opening. Right. Yeah. So, and a lot of people say, Oh, you should just kept opening. Well, you know what? I just, I just wanted to be done with it really in, in the bullshit. You know, I don't have to look over my back you know, for doing what I thought was the right thing. But, you know, a lot of people did prosper. I paid for a lot of people's funerals. I couldn't pay for funerals in this town. You know, somebody got a uh, 19-year-old kid was murdered. The family came to me. Uh, we can't even put uh, a proper funeral for, for the kid. It's no problem. I go right to the bank. Bang, here you go. And I got all that for evidence, right? Do I really want to take it to trial and waste some more time, and some more money when the end result is there's no jail time? Well, let's make a deal. If there is jail time, well, maybe I'll take it to trial. Mm-hmm. Take my chances, right? But you know, if it's a fine, let's see how much. 
You know, I don't want no $400,000 fine. That ain't fine. Oh. Right? Uh, no. so, you know, but yeah, the deal's a deal. I'll let you guys know exactly what's going on. You know, because if I do plead guilty this time around, uh, who knows? Uh, who knows? You know, they do have a hard on and, uh, you know, they ain't sticking it in me. That's for sure. You know, yeah. it is what it is. Okay. So with that being said, so there goes my homelessness in November, even though the weather's, I'm in t-shirt right now outside. Uh, uh, you know, this is perfect time to be uh, homeless if you're going to be homeless. Right. Uh, but like I said, I got that courtship coming up. So it should be interesting. Well, hang in there, my friend. And uh, we'll see where that goes. And we'll see where things end up tomorrow with the, uh, the big marches across the country and, in, and the one in Windsor, too, where you are. I'll be I'll be going live. Okay, we'll be watching. We'll be picking you up and uh, checking things out. So, looking forward to it. Thank you, Leo. Okay, Rick. Bye. All right, take care. Bye. All right, and let's pull out of that. And there you go. So that gets us to exactly nine p.m which gets us exactly where we really kind of like to be with these broadcasts. That's three straight hours again tonight. And I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me here. You can donate at freedomreporters.com, which you see scrolling on the bottom of the screen there right now. If you would like to support the show and we could sure use your help. Um, I'm going to take the, uh, the phone number down off the screen you can also donate at maverickdonations.com right there so freedomreporters.com or maverickdonations.com please like share subscribe ring the notification bell on youtube if you do subscribe over on one of our youtube channels and please consider subscribing over on rumble the free speech platform where we continue to grow really uh uh, you know, privileged to have all you guys with me again tonight. And tomorrow, I think, is going to be a, an interesting day, maybe another big day. We'll see if they can duplicate the turnout for this million march for children round two across Canada. If it's anything like the last one, that's huge. I guess that's the the new benchmark for them. Hundreds of thousands of people showed up the last time. We'll see where it goes tomorrow. If you do go, stay safe out there, folks. Take care of each other. Love you all. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Right back here on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.